My name is uh, Jeffrey Hall, inmate number 
a 1099 form in the mail from the IRS saying they wanted me to pay taxes on the money that she <laughs> that she made from the illegal sale of the stock, I wrote to them and said, "Hey, what are you? What what's going on?" Merrill Lynch wrote me a letter, a couple of letters saying. Well, you signed this beneficiary distribution form, and I said that's impossible because I've been in Connecticut since in prison in Connecticut since 2013, and I don't think that I could have been in Harris County, Texas, to, to sign it and have it notarized. And they figured that out. They go me back and said, "Okay, we're going to give you the cash plus two thousand dollars." I have. Uh, as you can imagine, a little bit of problems with all this. Why do I have to take cash for stock? I never told anybody to sell. And why isn't anybody? No, no criminal act. No criminal charges have been brought. I, I, I don't know if they have or not. Nobody will tell me anything about this. Merrill Lynch has stopped all communication with me. This, this all happened in. Uh, the last letter that I received from Merrill, Merrill was February 2nd of 2022. Uh, this started in September of 2020. I have been pursuing many avenues trying to find someone to do something about this. Um, nobody want, I've sent 175 certified mail letters out because, as I said, my mail does not get to its intended recipient. That is the that is a quote from the New Britain, Connecticut Public Defender's Office, which gets even it, this whole thing just gets kind of weird. Basically, uh, I'm the victim of a federal crime, and I am, if anybody out there is listening, how does an indigent inmate obtain legal representation for a federal crime that crosses two state jurisdictions? And probably more because Merrill Lynch is in New York City. I don't. I don't know how this works. Nobody will tell me. But who represents? Who? How do I get legal representation when an inmate is the victim of a federal crime? Uh, the only response that I have gotten from an eighty-eight-page citizen's complaint form was one from the state of Connecticut, which said, it happened in Texas, we will not investigate. That's it, two sentences. <laughs> that was by a U.S. attorney named Leonard Doyle. Doyle, here. Um, the citizen complaint form has been sent to the district attorney in Harris County. Her name is Kim Oog, O-G-G. It was sent to the FBI in Washington, D.C. I tried to do a Freedom of Information Act request to the FBI in Washington, D.C. They wrote back in short saying we can neither confirm nor deny 
that there is any uh, documentation on the subject, either confirm or deny, I feel like Tom Clancy. Okay, that's that joke. But uh, um, on at which end, as far as that goes, um, I, try, I have a phone number for an attorney at the New York branch of the Federal Bureau of Investigation, but I am not allowed to use a legal call from the Department of Corrections at McDougal Correctional Institution, which says in their rule book you can call any attorney. I can call Judge Judy because she's an attorney if I had her phone number, but I cannot call the attorney that works for the FBI in New Haven. They have not given me an answer why, besides you said you cannot do that. Hmm. So... Um, it's uh, a whole bunch of fun things that have been going on. Oh, and uh, add on to the thing with my stepdaughter, I forgot to mention this. I'm going to my other paperwork here. Lori Lichnerowicz, my stepdaughter, waited until September of 2020 before telling me that my wife, her mother, Josephine Goldsmith Hall, had passed away. In December 30th of 2013, almost seven years to tell me that my wife died, which is very un unusual considering that all of my public defenders had insisted that she just didn't want to talk to me all these years. Even I brought it up during a court hearing on the transcripts, and my attorney said, uh, we have tried to contact her. She's alive and well. I said that when I talked to her in 2016, I that happened. Very nice for these people to be honest. Which is another question I could bring up, too. What is the criminal charge for a court-appointed defense attorney when they deceive or misinform their clients of exculpatory evidence and inculpatory evidence. Basically, what happens to a public defender if they lie to their, you know, the people they're appointed to represent. And when you ask that question to a court-appointed attorney in Connecticut, they get very upset, to say the least. I have come to find out there is no criminal charge for a court-appointed attorney to lie to the uh, uh, accused individuals they are representing, but they emphatically say they can be disbarred. When I ask when was the last time that happened or if ever that happened, they it is met again with the very let's say, uh, unfavorable comments about the judicial system in Connecticut, which, by the way, motto is the Constitution State. Um, however, you know, you want to take matters up to the eye of the beholder. Everything that I've said is documented. If you, doubt, if you want to look up the probate court number four, in Harris County, Texas, the probate number is 428-936.
that gives the the will that my wife signed was dated December 25th, 2013. And as I said, she passed away five days later of terminal lung cancer. I have been led to believe. The date is factual. I am not entirely entirely certain of the cause except for that it was cancer. So that is coming from my stepdaughter, Lori Lichnerowicz, who had sold my two properties that I shared with my late wife before I even found out that she had passed away. Actually, it was five years before. You have one minute left. I found out. Okay. I left off with explaining how my wife had passed away in December of 2013 and was not made aware of this fact until September of 2020. But my, uh, there's a stepdaughter that illegally sold the stock in the retirement account. And nobody's doing anything about it. I've been told that it is a that it is a federal crime to notarize documents and forge your signatures across state lines and the legal sale of publicly traded stock. I have gotten no response from any law enforcement aside from that one from the uh, U.S. Attorney from Connecticut about any of this. My court-appointed attorney here in Connecticut is one of the greatest habeas attorneys there is. His name is James Mortimer. was beginning to help me in the very beginning, but found out that that goes outside of his mandate to do such things. Plus, if I had uh, received any compensation for the two properties or for the stock that was, was, that was sold, that I wouldn't be interested anymore and he wouldn't be able to represent me in my criminal case. And it's a pretty easy criminal case considering that I've never been Mirandized and was interrogated, and uh, and somehow the uh, court allowed the testimony of the officer that did not read me my Miranda rights, <coughs> which is in the transcripts. I had a judge who didn't want to about it, but anyway, he didn't want that to happen. So he's the one that said that I need to find a lawyer, but everything in Texas says you're in Connecticut, and Connecticut says. This is done in Texas. I filed all the necessary paperwork. I have the receipts for the uh, contested will, but they won't do anything because I am in Connecticut. And they made it pretty clear that people in Texas don't like people, Yankees, in the blue state of Connecticut. Uh, Okay. Do you have any questions? (laughs) So, yeah, I'm looking at the, the last... A batch of paperwork you sent me. So you were arrested. Uh, you went into custody June twenty first, two thousand two thousand thirteen. Yes, sir. So in, in my apartment. So your wife so died. Gun. What is it? 
Excuse me? So your wife died, like, might as well say six months after that, roughly? I, you're, you're breaking up, sir. I'm sorry. Can you say it again, please? So, so your wife died, like, six months after that? Yes, sir. Okay. That's, that's what I thought. And, yeah, I see where it says that, yeah, there was no evidence presented that Miranda advisement was given. And then it talks where they had asked the... Uh, the officer about it, and he had definitely said no. He did not give you uh, your Miranda rights. Yeah, I was during the trial while he was on the stand. Yes. Uh, you highlighted a part about that. At some point, you mentioned that Jeff had asked him to leave. Right, and this is this talking about the incident, right? And then, yes. okay, then he. Uh, they, this this is public knowledge that the only reason why I'm, you know, my my attorney said as long as it was in the transcript, I can talk about this. But, you know, as I said, the habeas is coming up in August, and there's a lot that hasn't been divulged. Mm -hmm. But, yes, um, this individual who's convicted felon and a drug dealer came over to my apartment, and I told him to leave because I suspected he was... Uh, doing smoking crack out on the second floor That's what it says here where you're talking about where they were saying that he had landed more punches on you. So you basically had to defend yourself in that matter. Yes, in my living room. Yeah, that's... There is no standard ground. Yes, there's no standard ground in Connecticut for self-defense. But if you are in your own home and it is not a, you know... A situation where you over defend yourself, but the person wasn't shot thirty times or stabbed fifty times, or you didn't, you know, do something very, uh, you know, unnatural, mm -hmm. you know, to the to defend yourself. Uh, which, of course, like, as I said, there's no only one single stab wound, and uh, unfortunate, extremely unfortunate. It still bothers me ten years later that that. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a long-haired, <laughs> long-haired guy that was born in 1969 in Miami, Florida. The parents that made tie dyes, as you can imagine, my mom lives in an ashram, 
Yeah. <laughs> actually, she just moved back to Florida from the ashram in New York, upstate New York. So, yes, I'm pretty much a peace-loving person. Even when I joined the military, I had a rear echelon communications job that my radio was carried around in a medical pickup truck. It told a generator. I was not the guy with radio calling in direct fire or anything like that. I was and uh, with no no self defense, I mean very basic basic uh, self defense techniques. Or I was not the special forces Rambo guy. The prosecution tried to make me out as any anything, but no, I'm I'm not an aggressive person at all. That's how things go. Uh, any next question? Okay, like with your stepdaughter, like I, I remember when we talked before on the phone. So, do you kind of just feel like I know you said about where like Texas don't like people from Connecticut with the you know being a blue state, but you kind of feel like where you're actually locked up. That's why one reason they're not going to take it serious because they're like, well, he's in prison, so why should we bother? You type of thing too. Oh, the state of Connecticut? Uh, of course. They, um, I mean, I, like I said, I'm a Floridian, and I'd only been in Connecticut for just over a month when I was arrested. I had mentioned when I was younger, I went to high school, and I had actually, I was a, been a registered voter here mm-hmm. when I was younger. Um, but, uh, yes, that, it's, this is a complete disregard. I, I, I don't want to use the term as disregard of, you know, a citizen of the state of Connecticut has been a victim of a crime, but it's, it's back burner, far back burner from anybody's concern. Which, even in the state of Connecticut, there is a funded organization called the Inmate Legal Assistance Pro- Legal Aid Program, ILAP, Called and they are basically worthless to the extent that I would not trust them uh, to oversee any type of it's called the 1983 uh, civil action because you have to put $400 up, and there's been people that I've known that have lost $400 following the directions of this. Uh, state of Connecticut entity or whatever agency that you that that is supposed to be helping inmates, mm-hmm. which is, is really really absolutely pathetic. But there's that's the only show in town, and people just throw the money away when they go to these people. As far as I'm concerned, that I, I it's very rare. The inmates themselves have to do everything to try to uh, have religious freedoms have use of phones to try to vote. Actually, there is a full citizens coalition here in Connecticut that is actively trying to see that it and it can vote. When I tried to vote in twenty fourteen, I was not yet sentenced. I mean I had not been sent to trial. I had no police record and according to the state of Connecticut nine fourteen A, the statute says if you are incarcerated awaiting trial you are allowed to vote. I was not allowed to vote. I, it's all documented. If you, if anybody would like to look up the State Elections Enforcement Commission uh, file number, 
I would like to see what it looks like. I haven't even seen the whole thing. <laughs> but I know it did make a big, big enough splash that they did have to change regulations. Hmm. Yeah. That's a whole separate entity that, 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 that they are trying to get the, trying to get uh, fixed right now. I just talked to a member of those, that full citizens coalition this afternoon, and that's, I really shouldn't talk too much more about that because they're another lawyers are involved and lawyers don't like their clients to talk about stuff, which is understandable. All the statements that I'm making right now can be easily um, looked up if you wanted to see this at all public knowledge. So if you have a pen and a piece of paper, actually, you can have the criminal trial transcripts, the number of my cases, HHB-CR13-0055744-1, in Tango. And they, you can look that up, that's all public knowledge. Everything that I've said, uh, all the state prosecutors and everybody all knows about. Uh, I, I hope I'm not rambling, Mr. Lamaster. I You just kind of gave me free reign for this, so... Oh, you're good, you're good. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm sure there is, and I'm, doing, I'm sure you have an edit button. But, uh, I, uh, yes, I'm, it's, it's very, very frustrating at times because of the, the, the male situation. Mm-hmm. On, um, the HIPAA law is a medical confidentiality where you know you're supposed to sign for legal mail and hit the law and uh religious and there I have physical evidence that my mail has been steamed open and read and all kinds of nice things before I even went to trial. And the best that the New Britain Department uh the Britain Public Defenders Office was to say yes we know about it so send us your mail and we'll send it out so that it gets to its intended recipient. The date on that letter was November 19, 2014. They acknowledged it. The American Civil Liberties Union. American Civil Liberties Union was the same way. They Mm -hmm. do not do anything in Connecticut, which is horrible as far as I'm concerned, but that's a whole different thing about that. All right, I'm recording. Uh, Yes, sir. Yes, um, I was... The uh, last thing I had on that was um, discussing about how uh, a male is, is, has been and still is violated by the Department of Corrections. I'm not sure. When they, when the Britain Public Defender's Office first told me that they knew about this, they said, well, they really can't. When it got to trial, my third public defender, the one that never uttered the word objection, Dennis McMahon, he said that as long as they don't use the knowledge in the letters during the trial, there's not much we can do about it. And I said, well, that makes about as much sense as saying if I went into your mailbox and I took your American Express credit card out of your mailbox, it's still a federal offense because I took it out of your mailbox. And once again, when you say things like that to lawyers, they get a little testy when you refute in a logical manner 
what they perceive as an explanation for something. I don't know why, but being, I consider myself very ignorant because if I wasn't so ignorant, I might not be here. Ignorant is not necessarily for your uh, listeners out there. Ignorance is the fact that you don't know something. It doesn't mean you're not intelligent. It merely means that you don't know the facts of a subject. Mm -hmm. I am very ignorant of a way to talk to a lawyer, obviously, when you refute in a logical manner what they expect you to automatically believe because they are lawyers. And they are basically, you know, they are highly intelligent. They've been to school for five years to become a lawyer. Obviously, they must have most must have some kind of intelligence, but for their regular layman, they get upset when you talk logically and rationally. Mm-hmm. However, <laughs> it's been, it does something. It really does something to your mental your mental state of mind when you're already in in prison for something you know that you would be dead if you had not done, and when you're trying to communicate with the outside world in a, you know, in a legal manner and they are doing illegal things and nobody seems to care, it does something to your mindset. So, I, I, and mental health in the state of Connecticut and this institution is, I don't, have much to compare it to, but it is very poor, I believe, to say the least. Um, and but there is one. Yes, sir. Go ahead. Uh, on that, what do you think would make it better? Well, oh, well, without a doubt, if they had people that were actual mental health professionals. I'm not entirely certain that the people that they call uh, social workers um, are qualified mental health uh, uh, individuals. I'm not, I don't, there's, there's, I've only actually talked to one psychiatrist since I've been in McDougal, and that was to... I went to go, they sent me to go see her because they thought that I was, had paranoid tendencies about my mail and about how, because I write grievances and, and I'm like, why are you doing this to my mail and why is this happening? And, you know, I'm sending 175 certified mails out to these people and I'm not getting any responses, which is understandable. They don't have to write back. I understand that completely. But I'm just curious as to, you know, with the physical evidence, I walked into the psychiatrist's office and she said, uh, no, Mr. Hall, you're not paranoid when you have the physical evidence to back up your statements. And after that, my they have categories for mental health. But, uh, uh, mental health number five is very, very, you're, you're probably sitting in a room in a straitjacket. Mental health number one is you're, I would assume, quote, unquote, normal for society. Mine went from a number three to a number two after I had spoken with the psychiatrist. So they said that you're not, not only are you not paranoid or crazy, you don't need to 
be in such a level <laughs> as a level three or up to a level two, which I think kind of made some of the staff here at make a little upset. They couldn't send me to the mental health facility at Garner in Connecticut. But that's just me and being cynical. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they were hoping, they were hoping the psychiatrist would say, yeah, this guy is apparently schizophrenic and let's get rid of him, but that didn't happen. <laughs> Um, when it comes to like mail, I know like does the prison just check like the normal mail that comes in? Like, say I wrote you today, they would check that. But like what you're saying, like the legal mail, they're not supposed to open up any of that, any of that, correct? All mail that comes into the into the, into any correctional institution is um examined for contraband, for weapons, for you know, self-help or what have you. Mm -hmm. However, if it's, as I said, if it's uh, legal mail or HIPAA law, medical correspondence or religious, it has to be opened in front of you and you sign for it saying that it was opened in front of you. Okay. I have, yes, I have, docu I have, I have, I have letters from the State Elections Enforcement Commission during their investigation of Northern Correctional Institution, where I was, where I was housed before I went to trial, I was a high bond area because I was charged with murder out of Florida as a flight list. I had a two point five million dollar bond. During the State Elections Enforcement Commission's investigation, they were sending me letters that were had the flaps open, where you can see where the glue had been unsealed by you know steaming method. Instead of when, and it was others that I didn't sign for them, I had, I had medical from the University of Connecticut Medical that are the same way because of my hearing loss. And I, there were several other doctors, uh, several other, uh, one of them was from the American Civil Liberties Union that I actually held, came to see me, um, Attorney Dave McGuire. From the American Civil Liberties Union in Connecticut came to Northern Correctional Institution, held his envelope with the flat wide open. It was stamped attorney client privilege all over it, and the letter from the public defender's office that says, We are aware of the violations of your mail and your right to vote in the other. And he's shaking his head, like, How could this be happening? And that went nowhere. Because the ACLU in Connecticut operates as like more or less a tort organization, I believe is the proper legal term, where you have to have a group of people express grievances about the same subject. And I don't know whether they couldn't find any, which is hard to believe because I had other people tell me the same thing. They had horror stories such as mine. But the American Civil Liberties Union just stopped talking to me after, like everybody else, as soon as I was convicted, found guilty by the jury, they stopped talking to me. A whole bunch of people just stopped talking to me, as a matter of fact, about about all my other legal problems. But that's a whole different story. Uh, quick so question. I am, I, 
Go ahead. Okay. Yeah, quick question. With that, where you were saying that, like, the prison, like, where you went down from a three to a two, and that, you know, it kind of upset some of them, do you think they're just kind of messing with you to see if they would maybe push you over the edge so they could have sent you off? Oh, that's what I, uh, that's one theory that I've had. I mean, I don't see what other purpose it would gain to these people. Mm Mm-hmm. To, because my letters to my habeas attorney are, you know, I they're sealed and stapled and everything else that I can do to them going to them. And, of course, they know that I'm, you know, very aware of the facts. And my habeas attorney is also very aware of the fact of, you know, they tamper with my mail. So I don't see any other reason besides just psychological warfare to keep you know, keep doing these types of, you know, things. It hasn't happened in a while, but it's still, it's still out there. And it, it really does wear on you because you don't know if it's going there. Like a lot of, the, I, I'm not allowed to use certified mail anymore. So I have to just, oh, it gets there. I hold the letters up to the security cameras to show that I'm putting it into the mailbox and I have the video preserved. There's a the Captain Fleming is his name. Very good at this. He's he's one of the few that is helping me out by preserving the video of me putting these legal mail and all my other mail into the mailbox in uh, in J unit J one unit here at McDougal. And I you know I've got I have um, a request form. It's called stapled to the envelope. It says, please tell me when you bring this to the Suffield Post Office. And they've been, they've been good about that. The next day I get, the, you know, a couple of days later, I'll get the request with the date and a signature saying that they brought it to the post office. So like I said, how do I know that I'm not getting anything back? Mm-hmm. I've written several, you know, I don't, you know, it's to say that the Wall Street Journal hasn't written me back. <laughs> I've written to them. I've written to several media outlets and not gotten a return. I, I mean, that that's besides all the law enforcement too that I've sent. They've never responded, except for, like I said, the one one in Connecticut. Nobody else has. And the FBI about the we can either we can either confirm or deny. That was the only other two of them mm-hmm. that has come back. Mm-hmm.